0: Y'all can be seated. As you're being seated, if you'll find your Bibles, open them up with me. We're going to be in James 2 today. We'll also be in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, We've been talking about four key words to the Christian faith, and as you begin to understand how these all work together, you discover that there is some natural tension, yet they also come together In Christ, so you have truth which ultimately comes from God. God is the author of truth as He creates us, He also instills within His creation some things which are just truth. And so, as believers, we understand that there is more than just our opinion or our perspective, but there is the truth of God. Yet, we also have a struggle. And that is that no matter how good we are, no matter how much you attend church, how how much you try, you can never be good enough to live up to God's holy standard. So we also have the word grace. Grace means unmerited favor. Whenever you receive grace, you're receiving something that you did not deserve. And so God's Grace is extended to us through Jesus Christ, who took on our sins, overcame death, so that all who believe in him might experience the grace of God through Jesus Christ, and our relationship with God is grounded in this grace. Now, there is a tension, and yet there is a connection between these two words because we don't measure up to the truth of God, so it drives us to our need. the grace, and yet when we experience the grace of God, we are then empowered to live out the truth of God. There's also these other two words that you find throughout the book of James. You find faith and works. You see, God's response or our response to Jesus and what He has done for us on the cross is that we would have faith in Him. Jesus didn't call us just to behave better, He didn't call us just to believe facts. He called us to place our faith in Jesus Christ. So we begin to experience the grace of God when we are trusting in Jesus, and then that also leads us to genuinely, authentically express our faith through works of righteousness. We live out our faith religiously. So as you think about these four words, you might experience that there's some disconnect. What does it look like to bring all these together? Well, whenever you see Jesus Christ, you see all four of these ideas coming together. Jesus taught truth. He extended grace. He demonstrated faith, and he completed his work. So he fuses all four of these words together. Now, for the next couple of weeks, I I want us to look at what is actually one of the most controversial and sometimes misunderstood passages in all the Bible. Here in James chapter 2, he begins talking about the relationships between authentic the relationship between authentic faith and works. So look at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. So look here. He begins with a question. What good comes out of a hollow, empty faith? And he's making the case that an authentic faith Faith is going to demonstrate itself. It's going to come out. You can't just contain it, but it comes out. You ever been swimming and you try to keep a beach ball underneath the water? (laughs) And, And as soon as you let go, it pops out? Well, that's the same thing with authentic faith. When you have authentic faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to come out in your life. Verse 15, he uses this illustration. So you come across someone who doesn't have clothes and they don't have food, and you look at them and say, hey, I hope it all works out for you, but you don't do anything to help. That person looks at you and is like, what good was that? You didn't actually help me. And he says, in the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. So imagine there's a big wedding, and you're getting ready for this big wedding, and you put all these invitations together. You send out hundreds of invitations. You have beautiful decor you have a wedding coordinator named Franck. You have a dad over in the corner who's crying because Franck has just given him the bill. And, and you have a beautiful bride and you have a, a groom. And they come forward and they have the ceremony and they say, I do. And he kisses the bride and everybody celebrates and rejoices and tears are flowing down the face. And then the bride and groom, they shake hands and they just go their separate ways. And you say, that's odd. That didn't really seem very authentic. We just had this big wedding. They, they express their commitment to each other. But what kind of commitment do they really have if they get married and then they just, just go their separate ways? They have words, but they don't really have the commitment and dedication to show that their words were, were genuine. Well, this thing happens all the time in the Christian faith. We'll have the camp invitation, or we'll have that moment where where uh, uh, we're invited to come and trust Jesus. We walk the aisle, we pray the prayer, we celebrate, maybe even we're baptized, but then you just kind of go your separate way. You did your thing, you said what you are supposed to say, Uh, but, but you don't really have a life that demonstrates that your faith in Christ was genuine. Authentic Christian faith demonstrates itself through authentic Christian works. What you believe, what you truly believe, affects how you behave. So if we look at your spending register on your online bank account, we can begin discovering some things about what you believe. Why? Because what we believe affects how we behave. And whenever you, whenever you have a genuine faith, you demonstrate what you believe. Now catch this, because this is kind of cool. So apart from faith and apart from grace, our works are, are dead. So you can do church things. You can come to church, you can uh, believe certain things about God, you can be a, a relatively nice person, a good citizen, but those works cannot get you to God. Those works always fall short of the holiness of God. But when we experience the grace of God and we come to Jesus Christ in faith, it brings life to our works. So we are awakened and we want to serve God because we have a genuine relationship with Him. So look with me to Ephesians 2 now and verses 8 through 10 because this really brings together a lot of what I'm trying to say in this one passage today. Here the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he's reminding them that that their salvation is not an accident, that God has chosen them and wanted them to be in Christ for all eternity. And he tells them in verse 8, for you are saved by grace through faith. So you have three three words there. The first word is grace, which we have talked about. He says you are saved by grace. So your salvation is not something that you obtain based upon your works. It is something that you receive in grace. Now what does this word saved mean? What am I being saved from? Well, ultimately I'm being saved from my sins, from my separation from God. And whenever I think about the word saved, I can actually look at it in a past, present, and future context. When I was six years of age, I knelt beside my bed and I placed my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That was the moment that I Became a Christian. That was the moment that I was saved. I look back on that day, and that's my day of salvation. But I can also say that God is doing His saving work in me today. So, what do you mean by that? What I mean is this that the Holy Spirit and the Lord is continuing to mature me and grow me, and the salvation that I experienced as a young boy is continuing to mature and to work itself out in my life today. And I also may say that one day I look forward to being saved. You say, huh? Well, one day I look forward to the Lord coming back, or I look forward to going to heaven, and no longer will I try to work out my faith in a world that is stained by sin, but then I will be free to truly worship the Lord and experience Him face to face and to proclaim His glory for uh, not just a lifetime, but for all eternity. Now, all this, our salvation, is experienced in grace, for you are saved by grace through faith. So, you experience your salvation when you come to God in faith. This is not from yourselves. Make sure you catch that part. This is not something you can manufacture or you can just try harder. It is God's gift. It's not from works so that no one can boast. You don't have anything to brag about. You can't say, hey, look what I did. Look how, look how look at, look at, look at all that I've accomplished. This, this isn't about you. The only thing that we as believers can boast in is the cross and what Jesus has done for us. Our salvation's not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, generally in Sunday school, we stop the passage right there. And we don't get verse 10. But make sure you catch verse 10. For we are his workmanship. <laughs> God's been working on you for all eternity. Created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. God's been working in you because he wants to work through you. You have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So before you were ever born, God had things that he wanted you to be a part of. He had a script for your life, and he has been knitting together the events of your life so that he might use you. A faith that works can only come through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the work of the Holy Spirit within you. Now catch this. The cross is the path of grace, not the church. You don't experience the grace of God because you're a good church member or because you're here. The gospel, Jesus Christ, is the engine. It's the core of the gospel. The church shares the gospel, but Jesus is the gospel And together we gather to worship, to encourage each other, to teach one another, to walk the journey with each other, so that we might be a part of the advancement of the gospel. But an authentic faith will lead to a faith that works. James says in verse 17, in the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. Your salvation is more than a magical prayer. It's more than a 20-foot walk to the altar. It's more than a dunk in some magical water. Salvation is the glorious moment at which light shines. We see our hopelessness and we discover our Savior and cry out to Him in faith. And the grace of God meets us where we are, but then it starts changing us. So our works become evidence that something real has happened. Now, this isn't rocket science. Uh, we see this all the time in life. Back to the marriage illustration: if two people love each other and they are genuinely committed to each other, you see that love come out in their life. If there's not evidence of that love, then you kind of question the love, do you not? And you see it in parenting as well. I'm I'm reaching a, a point where I'm, I'm at a cool point in life. I. I'm now past the. I'm on the on the other side of the 40. I'm, I'm still in my 40s, but I'm past 45. Okay, I'm 48. All right, so. I know I don't look it. I don't. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. And I have four kids, and so I'm getting to be at this point where I I get to be a big brother, to some guys that are. Still growing and maturing, and so. There's lots of young couples that we have in the church right now. In fact, the Lord's been bringing quite a few young couples here uh, recently, and a lot of them are having babies. And for many of them, it's their first or second baby. And I've been having conversations with them, and they're so excited. I mean, they are so excited. And I'm, you know, I'm talking to them. And in the back of my mind, I'm sometimes thinking, "You have no idea." You have no idea what what what's happening. I mean, they got it all planned out. Here's my birth plan, you know, all this kind of stuff. Is that's going to work? oh uh, chaos is about to unfold upon your world. <laughs> at the same time, at the same time, I make sure you catch this, especially if you're pregnant. Okay. I'm not worried about you, okay? It's it's going to be okay. And and here's why I know this. Because I can see that they have a love in their marriage. I can see that they have faith in God. And I also know that God's going to give them a a deep, deep love for that child. In fact, you guys remember those of you that have kids when you hold that baby. And and you're like, wow, I, I love this human being. A genuine love for someone will motivate you to do whatever it takes. And because of that love, You'll stay up late nights. You'll you'll experience things that you didn't think you'd ever experience, but but you go through them. Why? Because your actions are grounded in love, and a loving person serves. Now, here's the cool thing. When God sends me into uncharted territory, I'm not alone. Wherever God sends me, I know this. He's going to be with me. And here's another little caveat of the Christian life that is just so cool. Wherever God sends you, whatever stage He puts you in, He always surrounds you with people to walk the journey with you. And that's part of what we testify by coming together on Sundays. That's part of why we sit in these chairs and sing and pray and preach and give. Because as we do that, we're telling one another, I'm with you. You're not alone. We're walking together. A Christian shows God that his love for him is authentic by the way that he behaves. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Jesus brought those two ideas together in John 14. John wrote, we know that we have come to him if we obey his commands. James writes, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead. I love Texas. How many of you uh, love being a Texan? Let me, let me just hear a yeehaw. haw there you go, that's right, we're having church together. We love Texas. Uh, we live here in Dallas, we live in the Bible Belt, right in the middle of the Bible Belt. I live 12 minutes from our church building here, I live over in Saxony. So I did a Google search the other day, and I discovered that between my house and the church, there is one church for every minute of drive time, Okay. So there's 12 churches just between my... There's even a church's fried chicken. <laughs> that like merges everything about church, doesn't it? The Holy Bird and the Holy Ghost. Anyway, so there's even a church church's fried chicken between my house. We're in the middle of the Bible Belt. Now, I didn't worry about this so much when I was pastoring in Austin, because if you know anything about Austin, it's kind of like the hole in the Bible Belt. It's where it buckles. You know, you know it's like this... This. This. Anyway, so... But but here in Dallas, there, there's lots of... of God and country. I love my country. I want to treat people right. I believe in God. Throw in a pickup truck and a smoker and you're a Christian, right? (laughs) The barbecue smoker, okay? But anyway, now here's my Texas-sized fear. Uh, I'm being serious here. I my Texas-sized fear is that we will view being a part of the church, believing that God exists in southern go- culture as the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ. You get it? All this other stuff, the gospel is Jesus Christ. James says in verse 18, but someone might say, well, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith without works and I will show you faith by my works you believe that God is one? Good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Now look at verse 19. He's talking here about beliefs. And he says, you believe that God is one. Is that theologically correct? Yeah. And he says, good. You have theological understanding. Well, I believe in God. Even the demons, the very picture of evil, believe that. They're scared of God. Living faith is more than just a Belief about God a faith that works a living faith believes in the gospel so you're placing your trust in Christ when you place your faith in the gospel God places his Holy Spirit in you and when the Spirit of God is in you the power of God works through you God has worked in you so that he may work God did not save you to be His gift to the world. (laughs) That role's already taken. That role's already been taken. (laughs) But He has called you and He's called me to be a part of a movement. This movement that we call the church. Church. We're living life together, worshiping the Lord, making known his name and his fame, and we are wanting his glory in all things. And together, as we are the church, God can change the world. It's an inside out work. Now, the key to understanding this passage is really not the word works, it's the word faith. When you talk to people in theological circles, you talk about James chapter two, it's it's kind of known as the works chapter but it's really about faith. Authentic faith leads you to authentic works. A lot of Christians today are practicing theistic, moralistic deism. say, oh, what's that, Lash? Well, they're theistic in the sense that they believe in God, and they even believe, maybe monotheistic, that He's one. They may even believe facts about Jesus. And they believe that there needs to be morals and right in life, there, there has to be right and wrong, but then ultimately they are deist. You say, well, what is a deist? Well, a deist believes that God started it all, instilled within his creation some absolutes, but then basically said, good luck with that. Then left us to humanistically live out our lives. And so the goal of a deist is not to find God, but the goal of a theistic, moralistic deist is to be moral and be peaceful. In Texan, we say say it this way. I go to church, I treat people right because I don't want no trouble. And a lot of times what's happened in Christianity is we've watered it down to self-help with a little twist of Jesus. We tell stories, we enjoy being together, and we throw on a little Jesus and we say, that's Christian, that's our faith. Instead of faith instead of faith, redefining our actions, it just becomes an add-on to our life. Instead of faith being a rebirth, sometimes faith becomes nothing more than a church membership. And in the process, we settle. We settle for good music, good lessons, good friends, good experiences, good things for the kids. And all those are necessary. We need good music. We need good lessons. We need good friendships. We need good experiences. We need good things for the kids. But that's not the gospel. We, we have to realize that living faith is supposed to reshape every area of your life. Your faith in God is not just something you do on Sunday. It's not an add on to your life. It should be changing everything about you. And that includes how you treat people, it includes how you treat people that can't do anything for you, it, treat, it includes the meaning in life, how you parent, your marriage everything. A faith that works realizes that when I trust in God, when I believe in Him, I am born again. And all things become new. The former things pass away. And here's how Paul said it in Philippians. For me to live is Christ. Now think about that sentence. For me to live is. How do you end it? for me to live is survival. For me to live is work. For me to live is family. For me to live is fun. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. And when His name and His fame become the anchor point of your life, the foundation upon which everything is built, that solid rock foundation that Jesus spoke about, when living is Christ, then everything else comes into focus. Because you have the foundation, and the foundation is Christ. Do you have a faith that works? Now, You may have gone to church for a long time. You may come from a good Christian family. Your granddaddy was a deacon. Your family is good people. You may be a smart guy. You know a lot of things about the Bible. But maybe you've been sitting here today and a light's come on. And God's really pressed up against you and He's shown you that you need a faith that works, that you need a genuine faith in Jesus Christ that is more than just a religious action but it is truly placing the totality of yourself in Christ and trusting in God so that He might work in you and through you. Now, if this is your moment today where God is really calling you to salvation, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to Him. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But perhaps today is that moment where you need to trust in Christ and just seize this time. You say, Lash, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Just call out to God and give Him you. You might say something like, Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner and I've done some things that I shouldn't. I ask for Your forgiveness and this morning... I am placing my trust and my faith in Jesus Christ, and I'm asking that You will save me. Lord, may You work in me and through me and help me to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, may You birth within me a love for You and a love for others so that I may serve You pray that prayer in the name of Jesus Christ and mark this moment. This was the moment in church where God spoke to my heart and I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call your name out. But as a pastor, I I would just like to know if if this is your moment of salvation. And so if today was the day where you trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord, I want to pray for you and encourage you and would you just look up at me and let me make eye contact with you if this was your moment today? Would you just look up at me? Father, I thank you for this body of believers. Lord, sometimes it gets confusing. What, what is it that you want from us? What, what are we supposed to do? What are we not supposed to do? And Lord, ultimately, what you want is, is you want us. You want us to place our faith totally in You, to trust You, even whenever we don't have all the answers, to be a part of the work that You're doing. And so, Lord, I I pray that our church and our lives might be an authentic expression of Jesus Christ. As we come together with our different perspectives and our different backgrounds, may people see the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ at work. I thank you for the, how that was demonstrated this week in orange, and I pray that it'll be demonstrated in our homes, in our schools, wherever we go, wherever we work, so that your glory might be proclaimed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we worship. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing.